this morning here at Trinity Bible Church and we have gathered here as we always do on the the first day of the week in the morning to to celebrate and we do so in the tradition of the ancient church to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and so uh, praise God for the gift of a brand new day and so we're thankful that you chose to be here with us to worship the Lord and uh, we're going to do a lot this morning together and we get to worship God through song which we'll do in just a minute. We're going to worship our Lord together through uh, the breaking of bread. We do that at the end of our gathering today and we'll worship the Lord through opening his word to see what it is that he has for us today. God is in the business of changing hearts and minds. Amen. And so I pray that you've you've come not to receive but to give. We come to worship to give but in the midst of of us giving, God gives to us, because that's the kind of good and generous Lord that he is. Amen? Amen. So if you would stand with me, I'm going to pray us into a time of worship. And if some of you are like, man, I just, I just sat down, but it's all good. And, um, uh, you know, let's just, let's just look to him and pray 
because it's good to get our hearts and our minds right before we, uh, we come to the Lord Jesus and we'll begin a time of worship through song. So let's look to him in prayer. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity, a blessed opportunity to join our voices together and to worship him together. Lord, we know that you call us to be unified and you call us to give our, our focus and attention on you and that's what we desire to do now. So Lord, anything that we might have been dealing with this morning, no matter what our mornings look like, Lord, we are here and you have brought us together. Thank you for being so good and for being so generous to us. And Lord, now our desire is corporately together to, uh, to honor you with our voices. And so we say thank you for all that you are and all that you have done. And Lord, this time of worship is for you. We give it over to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Be joyous and joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive a king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. Sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. And no more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the And wonders of his love, and wonders of his love, and wonders, wonders of his love. Hallelujah! We could but praise him. It is that time of year. It's good to sing those songs and praising him. Let's continue to worship our God. Lift your voices together. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. 
adore you. Oh, come let us adore Jesus, oh, Father, we're so grateful for just a blessed time to sing these songs. Lord, these songs that we remember can be such a part of our lives, Lord. We sing them out with loud voices joined together, praising you and praising the fact that we have a Savior, the long-awaited Messiah, who you sent into the world 2,000 years ago. And Lord Jesus, we are grateful that we still get to serve and to honor him and sing songs of praise to him. You are welcome in this place. You are here with us, living within us in our hearts. And so, Lord, we continue to say thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to worship him. And you know, uh, we do get to end our time together today uh, in communion. We call it the Lord's table. When we gather together and we take the cup and we take the bread and we do so as Jesus said in remembrance of him for Jesus was born and he was born into this world God in the flesh Emmanuel God with us and we celebrate that especially this time of year and that's why it's a, a joyous time where we count our blessings and, and we love to give uh, and receive gifts but we think about the greatest gift ever given 
But God gave us the gift of Jesus, and he gave us Jesus so that he could die in our place. We don't like to think of that, especially this time of year, but we are reminded that Jesus did that willingly for us. That's how much he loves me and you. Amen? So we sing, we sing this song now that reminds us of just those truths, that he is God in the flesh who came to give himself for us the greatest gift ever given. Let's sing together. And man of sorrows and lamb of God by his own betrayed the sin of man and wrath of God has been on Jesus silent as he stood accused beaten by and scorned bowing to the Father's will he took a crown of thorns oh that rugged cross my salvation where your life poured out over me now my soul cries out hallelujah praise and honor to thee God's own son to purchase and redeem and reconcile the very one who nailed him to that tree. The rugged cross, and on that rugged cross, my salvation. Where your love poured out over me. Now my soul cries out, Hallelujah, praise and honor Yeah. 
And oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out over me. My soul, now my soul cries out, hallelujah, praise and honor There's roll away the holy empty tomb. Hallelujah, God be praised. He's risen from the grave, the rugged cross, and oh, that rugged cross. My salvation, where your love poured out over me. Now my soul cries out, Hallelujah! Praise and honor unto you. Let's sing it one more time. Rugged cross, and oh that rugged cross, my salvation. Where your love poured out over me. Now my soul, and now my soul cries out. Hallelujah. Praise and honor unto thee. Praise and honor, and praise and honor unto Praise and honor. We give praise and honor to him. We thank you, Lord. Father God, you are so good. And Lord, we just love this time where we can gather and worship you. And Lord, we want to continue to give you praise and honor and all the glory that is due your name. So Lord Jesus, continue to be with us. Show us the way. And, and Holy Spirit, be our worship guide and worship leader this morning in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just take a moment to, uh, to greet one another. Say good morning. And as our, our children make their way down the hall, just let somebody know that you love them.
Well, let's um, let us uh, make our way back to our seats, and uh, it's so good. And remember that we'll have a, a time of extended fellowship after our service. So, thank you. It's good to see all of you. A lot of new faces, and so we're grateful. You're laughing, right? Because nobody's paying attention. That's what it is. So, uh, yeah, you pay attention. That's right. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, no, it's so good to uh, to be here together. And um, you know, I say I like to say that word together a lot, togetherness, because throughout the week we're worshiping the Lord and we are um, kind of doing our own thing, you know, with our families and some of our friends and we're about working and going to school and all that. And so maybe you have time of worship uh, in, uh, in the car. Maybe you have your set time of devotion and worship in the morning, you know, before everybody gets up. But there's something unique and special about getting together uh, in this place and just gathering so that we can hear other people singing and we can be encouraged in the Lord. And so I, I do trust and I pray that you've been encouraged already today. And, um, and that the Lord will continue to bless your heart uh, as we, we move forward. And so um, in just a, a minute or two, we're going to open uh, the Word of God. And we're, we're still in the book of Colossians. And so you can get a head start and open to Colossians chapter 3. Um, if you could just turn me down a little bit, I'm getting some feedback up here. Um, and so we're in Colossians chapter 3, so you can turn to that. In a couple of minutes, it'll be up on the screen. Um, but just wanted to... Uh, um, to go through some church life. We call it church life, right? To just kind of get caught up on where we are in the life of the church, some things that have happened and things that are coming up. So just a few things to highlight. Uh, and first of all, just wanted to, to make sure that you all got the, um, the invite and the notice that uh, there will be an open house next Sunday at the Wittels. Wait, that's my house. Yes, we're opening our house. And so um, you're all invited. And uh, of course, bring your family and kids with you. And so it's an open house. And so anytime between three and eight, because at eight o'clock, then we just, no, I'm just joking. But uh, between three and eight o'clock, you know, uh, we'd love to have you come and stop by, stay, of course, as long as you want. And there'll be just some food and refreshments and desserts. And it's just simply a time of fellowship, just some festive food and fun. And, um, and hopefully you can squeeze in some time during that, um, that evening to come by and uh, just see some familiar faces, maybe meet some people you haven't, and just to hang out and just have a good time, all right? And so we've just been looking forward to that, and as you know, the Lord has blessed us this year uh, with a, a new home, and, and so we're so, so thankful for it, and we just wanted to share that blessing with all of you, all right? And um, you notice I didn't put the address on there, and so... Um, <laughs> Only the resourceful people can make it. No, I'm just joking. It's, uh, yeah, it'll be up on the, uh, it's, it's in the email that we sent out, and so it'll be up on the website, but you'll, you'll, um, um, you'll hear more about it this week. But please, put in your calendar. Hopefully you can make it out next Sunday uh, between 3 and 8. We'd love to have you come and join us just for a, a good time and festive. We've already decorated. How many of you have decorated your house for Christmas already? Okay, most of you, good, right? A lot of us kind of have that like tradition like the, the weekend after Thanksgiving, right? And the last couple of years have been a little different, and so I, I feel like this, this year is just uh, maybe you know, a little more festive, and we're, we're glad to be together. So hopefully you can join us. Um, uh, remember that in a couple of weeks on the 19th, we have 
the, the kids' Christmas program is going to be part of our Sunday morning service. They've been rehearsing every, uh, every Wednesday, and uh, they've been coming rehearsing. It's been sounding great, and so we're looking forward to that. So that's in a couple of weeks on the Sunday the 19th. So they will um, just bless us with a special presentation. It'll be part of our Sunday morning worship. So make sure uh, that you come out for that Sunday service. Um, uh, we also have, of course, our Christmas Eve service, and every year we love to do a special candlelight service. It's at 7 p.m., of course, right here, and um, we sing songs of worship, and we'll hear from God's Word, and it's a special time. Uh, the church gets decorated, and it is a, a true candlelight service, and so um, it's a wonderful opportunity to invite some, some friends and family that maybe don't attend a church somewhere, maybe that you've been sharing your faith with, it's a great opportunity. There's a lot of people that come to church only a couple times a year, and this is one of them, right? And so be thinking and praying about some people that you might want to invite out, but that will be 7 p.m. on Christmas Eve, so look forward to that. And two more quick things. Um, we have our January outreach that's coming up uh, in a couple of months, and so that's what that big box, decorated box out there in the hallway, it was decorated for Christmas even before Thanksgiving because we were so excited and getting ready for it. But we have been filling that box with, uh, with coats and, um, and hats and all that. Do I have the date right? January 16th? 23rd. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, so January 23rd. I saw some, some heads shaking over here. I knew it. So anyway, um, I tried. So January 23rd, make sure you mark that. We'll get it right for next week. You have some time to adjust it in your calendar. But that'll be a Sunday right after service. Am I right about that part? Good, I'm getting there. And we're going to head straight out after service. You bring a lunch that day and head down to Delaware. I went last time. And it's a wonderful opportunity to bless people, most of whom are homeless. Some are actually living right there on the street where we go to serve and to minister. And we hand out um, these important warm clothing items that people will absolutely need, especially at the end of January, and uh, more importantly, we get an opportunity to talk to them, to get to know them, to hear their story, and, uh, and hopefully to share our story and to share the story, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So uh, put that date on your calendar, not that date, the real date, January 23rd, and to be praying about uh, possibly coming to join us and uh, also continuing to donate either financially, the church is matching up to $2,500 towards that trip, uh, to buy more coats and hats and scarves and gloves or to continue to donate in that box. We have emptied that box multiple times. So if it looks empty, it's not because people aren't donating. It's because we keep emptying it and putting it down the hall and getting it ready. So thank you to everybody that's been donating. We are so thankful. Continue to do that at the, as the Lord leads. And then finally, uh, today we have our um, fellowship lunch right after service. So um, as we love to do, we will end our time together. Um, after we are in God's word, we'll end our time together by taking the bread and the cup, uh, what we call communion, communing with Christ and with one another, remembering his sacrifice. And then we get to uh, continue uh, by then uh, going into, our, into the back there and having a wonderful time of food and fellowship as we continue to remember Jesus. But, you know, in the early church, they had a time of what we now call communion. They had a time where they... They remembered the sacrifice of Christ, and it was a solemn time where they would contemplate that, and rightly so, but it was a part of a bigger agape feast, a love feast, where they would also have time of celebration.
That's why we like to, f- to follow our communion time with a time of food and fellowship. Amen. So make sure that you stay. Of course, everybody, as always, is welcome. We have plenty of food and um, just another opportunity to continue to share what God has been doing in your life, right? Many more things to highlight. It's on our website, trinityallenwood.com. Uh, but there's something else that I wanted to mention as well before we get into Colossians chapter 3. Um, uh, our brother Steve Zaborowski his, and his family are not here today. They're away today, but um, he's been our faithful worship leader for many years and uh, you know, being our worship director and overseeing that important ministry. Well, he has had to step down from, from that position and from being one of our uh, important deacons, just he has some, some new family situations, a new season in his life, and so you'll see him around, but he has uh, things that are going to take him away from many Sundays here. Uh, he needs to attend to some family things. It's all good stuff, but just some changes in extended family and things that uh, they're going to be needing to do for a season. And so um, when you see him, just thank him for his time of service and and all that, but uh, so there'll be some changes coming up starting uh, next week and especially in January in the new year after uh, Christmas that uh, you'll see some changes in the way that we do worship and we'll be using some, uh, some audio and, and some more visuals and video to, to assist us in worship. And so it'll look different and feel a little different, but it's good, you know, because it's a great reminder that music is just one way to worship God. And so we often, especially in today's age, when we think of worship, we think of music. And that's okay, but music is just one aspect. It's like one way to express our worship of God. And we can worship God in many ways. When we open the Bible, it's an act of worship. When we pray, when we serve somebody else, it's an act of worship because we're giving God the attention and the glory that is due his name. And, um, and so even though we might, it might look a little different than having live musicians on the stage all the time, we can still have a wonderful time of worshiping God together through music. Um, and I think it's great to take us out of our comfort zone and um, to give our time and attention to Jesus, maybe in a more unique way. Do you ever notice how when you do the same thing over and over, I mean, it can be very good if our heart and our mind are in the right place? But if we allow it, even good things, right, can lose their meaning. They shouldn't have to, but it can happen. So sometimes it's good to change things up and get us out of our comfort zone, and whether it's our intent or not. Um, but God is good, right? And we, we gather here to worship the Lord in many ways. Amen? Amen. So we look forward to that. And so just wanted to, to kind of to mention that so you're aware of some changes that are going on. Um, you know, most of us, we're not so crazy about change, but what's that old saying that change is the one constant in life? Uh, we've certainly learned that um, to an extreme over the last couple of years, but, um, but through it all, we know um, we can say, yes, change is the one constant, but it's not really true. From a worldly sense, it is, but who is truly unchangeable and immutable is our God because our God never changes, amen? And thank God for that, because when everything else around us is changing, the people around us change, and our bodies are changing, and all those things that go along with living life here on this earth, we are thankful that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, amen? Amen, we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. So even before we get into Colossians chapter 3, I wanted to to share a story with you, and it's a story from the Bible. 
It's a story that's going to set up our passage today. Um, And it's the story of Mary and Martha. Perhaps you're familiar with that story. I'd like to read it to you. It's from Luke's version. Um, It's a short little kind of um, scenario. It's almost like a a brief little scene in a bigger play. Uh, And here is what happens in this story. It's an interaction between Jesus and two sisters, Mary and Martha. And they are the sisters of Lazarus, a good friend of Jesus, the one that he uh, raises from the dead. And these are very close friends of his. But pay attention to what happens in this brief little story, one that perhaps you're familiar with. But this will be our introduction to our theme today, which um, uh, I will introduce right after our story. So here's, here's the story, and then I'll kind of share a little bit of, uh, of background into it. So as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Did you ever read that story? Or hear that story? Here are these two sisters, Mary and Martha. Which one are you? Who do you resemble more? Are you more like Martha, who gets caught up in all the busyness of day-to-day life and gets caught up in everything that you think needs to be done, or do you tend to be more like Mary, who chose, as Jesus said, the better way? Now, if we're honest, we're both. Depends on the season. It depends on how we're doing in our walk with the Lord. But I share this story because in a moment we'll look at what it says in Colossians chapter 3. We'll be in the first four verses But Paul tells us in those verses to set our minds on things above where Christ is. It's a very famous verse and phrase from Scripture, and that's where we are today. But look at what Jesus teaches us in this brief little story of Mary and Martha. You see, the sisters were opening their home to Jesus and the disciples. So Jesus and the disciples were were going along in their ministry, right, and all that Jesus was doing and teaching and casting out demons and, and miracles and feeding people and all that. And he's got some good friends. And Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, are a few of them. And so he loves these people, especially Mary and, and Martha open their home to Jesus and the disciples. So they come in, and of course, when you have people over to your home, what are you going to do? You've got to feed them and have food, Right? So, I mean, next Sunday we're having an open house, and we're going to have some food, and we're going to be able to come and, and serve you. We look forward to that. And so, here is Martha. 
Martha busy about getting ready to serve Jesus and the disciples. And so she's in the kitchen and she's making stuff and she's cleaning up. And all of a sudden she looks over and she sees her sister Mary. You know what it's like between sisters, right? (laughs) And here's Mary just sitting there. Just sitting there. How would you feel if you were Martha? And Mary is just sitting there, but she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's doing what? She's listening to him teach. She's sitting at his feet. Can you picture it? Listening to Jesus talk. So Mary comes over. Martha comes over. She's all upset. Jesus, don't you see what Mary is doing? She's letting, she's leaving me to do all the work. Tell her to help me. Isn't that interesting? She's like kind of commanding Jesus to do something. Jesus, tell her to do this. You ever do that to God? God, do this for me. So Jesus, of course, as always, finds a teachable moment right here. And what does he say to Martha? Martha, Martha. He's kind of shaking his head. You can picture it, right? But what does he tell her? He says, boy, you're worried and upset about a lot of things. He's like, but there's really only a few things that have to happen. Really only one important thing, and Mary's doing it right now. So not only did Jesus not do what Martha told him to do, he's rebuking her in a loving way. And you see, I share this story to give us a picture of what Jesus says is the better way. Now let me preface it by, let me say by giving you some some insight here. We are not saying that the cooking, the cleaning, the serving of the Lord is a bad thing. Of course, we're all called to serve, aren't we? To help and serve and love one another. So Martha wasn't necessarily doing anything wrong in and of itself. It was what her priorities were. And she was complaining that Mary wasn't doing anything. See, Jesus was calling Martha out because she was not setting her mind on the proper things. There was things that could happen, but Jesus said, you know what? Most of those things aren't really necessary right now. But actually, there's only one important thing to do. And Jesus gets right to the heart of the issue. And we can get so busy about the things that can be good and that have to be done in life. But are we doing it at the expense of spending time with Jesus? See, in our passage today, I'll read it now in Colossians chapter 3, Paul reminds us, he says, you know what, set your minds on things above where Christ is. Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet. She was close to Jesus, spending time with Jesus, listening to what he had to say. Church, that's always the best thing that we can spend our time doing. The cooking and the cleaning, the preparations, the serving of other people, it's good and it's necessary, but it's not the only thing and it's not what we should give all of our time and attention to, especially at the expense of spending intimate time with the Lord Jesus. Are you with me? Because that's what Mary did. That's what Mary was doing. Jesus said she chose what was better. So look at what it says, and that's sort of the backdrop for this morning. So look at what it says in Colossians chapter 3. 
Remember, we looked at the first two chapters and, and Paul was, was setting up the theology of it all that, that we are all that we are in Jesus Christ. We are complete in Him. He is preeminent. There's no reason to look anywhere else because we have all that we need in Jesus Christ. And now he's going to give us some practical application. See, Paul was really good like that. If you, as you read the other letters of Paul in the New Testament, you'll see normally the first part of the first half of his letter is he's instructing the people about good doctrine and theology and the right way to think and to believe, changing your thinking, right? To think about the good things and the right things, but then he gives the practical side of it. He's like, okay, now that we've got that straight about the right way to believe about God and Jesus and his word, now what are the implications? See, that's what Paul does. And so we need to have that. As we open God's word, what does he say? Who are we? What do we believe and think? And then what do we do with that? Do you remember last week when I shared from the Old Testament, Nehemiah chapter 8? We saw how the people hadn't had the word of God for many years. They were in exile. They came back. They rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem. And they cried out to, to the priest Ezra. And they said, give us the word of God. And they stood for six hours, remember? And they said for six hours listening and weeping and crying, they had the word of God and they were moved into action. They were moved into action. That's the whole idea. Doesn't James say, don't be just a hearer of the word only, but be a doer of the word. So Paul is now in chapter 3 and then chapter 4 telling us how to do what he's told us. How to, how to then act out the truth of what he's told us about the reality of our situation. See, our position in Christ is new, therefore our practice should be new. A new position, a new practice. right? A new faith, so we have a new focus. A new position, a new perspective. And that's what Paul shares with us this morning. He says, if then, see he starts right there, because in the first two chapters he explained what our new situation is, and who Christ is. He says, so if, if then, it's all true, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Those are our four verses for this morning. Given in the backdrop of the Mary and Martha story, what is better? What are we to set our minds on? What are we to use as our barometer to make sure that we're doing the best thing? There is time, and there's a time and a place for the service and the cleaning, and the cooking, the preparations, the working, the going to school, the taking care of the kids. Of course, God wants us to do all those things and honor all the beautiful blessings and resources he's given us. Those are all good and important things, but we never are to get focused on those at the expense of taking our eyes off of what Jesus says is the most important thing, and that is Christ himself. So Paul says, set your minds on things above. And so again, in Colossians, we see the first half of the letter focuses on the person and the work of Christ, but the second half, starting today, focuses on the new life that we have as believers. You remember back in, uh, in the early chapters of, 
of the Gospel of John when Jesus says, you must be born again. Remember? He's talking to the rabbi, and he's just like, you have to be born again. And the teacher's like, what? What do you mean born again? I can't do that. I can't go back into my mother's womb and come out again. And Jesus said, no, this is a spiritual rebirth. But Jesus says, unless you are born again, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. Must be born again. Just think about that concept for a moment. What does it mean to be born again? We know what it means to be born the first time. We were all there at our birth, weren't we? We were there. So, we probably don't remember it, but we were there and we were born. We know what it's like when people are born and there's a new baby, there's a new life, there's new breath, right? I remember when I first became a dad. I have three kids. I remember when Lorna, our oldest, was born. It's like, yeah, we were anticipating the, her birth, right? But at that very moment, I went, in, in one instant, from not being a dad to being a dad, right? I was almost a father, and now I'm a father. And you know, dads, there's just that, we all react a little differently, but there's just that feeling, and sometimes it's a sense of, oh, like, I can't believe it. And also mixed in there is, oh my goodness, I have no clue what to do, right? How am I going to do this? And, 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 you know, and here was Lauren, a beautiful baby girl, and where does your mind start going? How am I going to pay for college? And, and, and who's this guy that's going to want to marry her? She's like two seconds old, right? And you start thinking of these things. But it's a great responsibility. But in that moment, my life changed forever. I had a brand new identity. I was a dad. It's kind of like that spiritually when we're born again. We might look the same on the outside, and maybe some of the words we choose to use are different. Maybe some of our habits change, but... For the most part, we look and act the same, but Paul is telling us, you know what? You're new in Christ, and you have been buried with him. Your sins are buried. You've been raised again. It's the, the picture we get from baptism. He says, you are new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. Do you feel new? Sometimes we don't feel new. It's not about the feeling. But Paul here talks about the mind and the heart. He says, say, you're new in Christ. Your position is new. You've been born again. You've made, been made alive in Christ's resurrection, is the point he's making. He says, now you're supposed to think differently and act differently. But he starts with setting your hearts and your minds on the things above where Christ is. See, very often, Paul makes this important distinction between things that are earthly and things that are heavenly. You know, we live in this world. God knows we live in this world. He created us. He put us here. And all that the world means to us. There's so much in this world that is good and that we benefit from that can be a blessing to us. But this world church is not our home. And the more that we become entwined with the world and think like the world wants us to think, the more that we invite the world into our minds and the more that we want to be friends with the world, Jesus says, you're going to be enemies. We don't try to be enemies. Jesus said, that's your new position. Just because the world hated him, they're going to hate us. Now, people might not go around telling us they hate us because they're Christians, but the point is, is that when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, then the world is not going to like it. 
And whatever that looks like, with all its nuances in our day-to-day lives, but God says we are different now in Christ. See? He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, because that's the point he had been making, we're now raised to Christ, we have new life in Him, this is what you do. Seek the things that are above. So he tells us two, two basic things in this passage that I want us to remember. Seek the things that are above, and then in a minute I'll share the other thing, to set your minds on things above. Now here's what's important. In the original language in the Greek, when it says seek the things that are above, it's the same word that's used you know, when Jesus says seek first the kingdom of God. It's like, where are you setting your heart? When it says seek the things that are above, some other Bible versions say set your hearts on things above. It's more of the heart issue is what Paul is talking about. He's like, where is your heart? Is your heart like Martha and caught on up in all the activity, even though it's good stuff? Or is your heart more like Mary, like Jesus is in the house, I want to be sitting right next to him, and I want to hear what he has to say, and I want to touch him, and I want to be there at his feet looking up. See, so he says, Paul says, seek the things that are above. Boy, there's so much here down below, so to speak, that can get our attention, isn't there? We can go through life and just just be caught up with everything going on around us, and we forget to look up. We can look to the right and to the left, and we can look down and all around us, and we can look back and we can look forward, but how often do we look up? That's the position that Paul is saying. He's saying, lift up your eyes and look at Christ. Remember when Peter tried to walk on water? Jesus said, come on, you can do it. He started to do great. Jesus, I'm doing it. But then the waves started picking up and there was wind and Peter got distracted. And he started to sink. Because he took his eyes off the Lord Jesus. So Paul simply is telling us, seek the things that are above. And he's saying really, Set your hearts. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Do you tend to have more of a Martha heart? God, these people aren't doing all the work. I'm at church all the time. And I'm doing all the good things. God, I'm taking care of this and that and that. Would you get those other people to get in line behind me. They should be serving and doing what I'm doing. Jesus says, Mary chose the right thing. Those things are good. Where is your priority? Mary's heart is here with me. So, Paul says, seek the things that are above. We have a new life. We have been born again. We have a new position. We are a new person in Christ. Therefore, we have a new perspective, which leads to a new practice. Our perspective shouldn't be gained from the things around us, but from seeking the things above. We often talk about our worldview. What does it mean to see the world around us through the lens of Scripture? To see it through God's eyes. You know, I often refer to our missions map out in the lobby. If you've never taken a look at it, look at it on your way out. Take a moment during our fellowship lunch to look at it. There's something unique about that map. And over the map is one word. It says perspective. When we become believers in Jesus Christ and we choose to follow him, Our perspective on everything changes. On everything. Because now, we are looking at the world through the lens of God's word, scripture, through God's eyes. So that's what we call it a biblical worldview. The way we see everything. 
in this world and in this life. So we are called to seek the things that are above. Just a couple of other verses that help to go along with it. Look at what it says in, um, I think it's in Matthew 6, right? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How many times have you heard that? So what is Jesus saying, right? It's about the same thing Paul is saying, set your mind on things above. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. You can do that, but what is the old saying? You can't take it with you. You can try. I remember this, this story. I've never seen it myself, but um, there is um, a popular story, I believe it's true, about uh, this guy who was very wealthy, and he lost his, his son um, at a young age. And uh, the guy had a lot of money, and so what he did is he decided that he wanted to bury his son in a car. It was a very fancy car. So up in a, um, um, a cemetery somewhere up in North Jersey, just off the parkway, there is a huge monument, and it's actually an actual car that is encased in marble and stone, and his son is buried in that car as if his son could take that car with him to the next life. But it's just this picture of, you know what? We can build up treasure for ourselves on earth. But Jesus says, where's your heart? Because just remember, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? Mary was treasuring the Lord Jesus. Martha was doing good stuff that needed to be done, but Jesus said, you know what? Most of it's not that important, and actually the most important thing, I'm right here. Spend time with me. How about Ephesians 2? Six, Paul says this, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. How about that? Paul goes even a step further in his letter to the Ephesians, and he says, just like to the Colossian church, God raised us up with Christ, but he also seated us with him in the heavenly realms where Christ Jesus is. See that? What a beautiful statement and reminder of who we are in Him. Just like in baptism, that we were buried with Him in baptism, raised with Him through our faith in the power of God. It says that in Colossians chapter 2. So, we are to check our hearts. Whoops, sorry. Just wanted to wake you up. Check our hearts. Not our microphone. Check our heart. But how about our minds? We check our hearts, but what about our minds? Look at what it says. He says in verse 2, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. See the duality there? Paul says it in every one of his letters. He makes this great distinction. Like he says in, in Romans chapter 12, right? Do no, no longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? Over and over he says it in different ways. Church, it's really important we understand that distinction. We're living in this world. And, and God gives us a mission and and we are to be about his business in this world, and he will sustain us, and he will provide and protect. Jesus prayed for that for us before he went to the cross. But this isn't our home, so let's not get too comfortable. That's what Paul is saying. Don't be too comfortable in this world in which we live, because ultimately, these things will let us down. People will let us down. Even the people we love most, 
we can't take anything we amass or we accumulate. Even if it's good, we can't take it with us. Let's set our mind on the most important thing, and that is Jesus Christ. So, set our hearts, set our minds on the things that are above. Simply means to think. How do we change our thinking? How do we change the thinking of our minds? Look at what it says in Philippians 3, 19 to 20. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. Again, this is Paul writing to the Philippian church. He's talking about those that aren't believers, and he says, their mind's on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. Set your mind on things above where Christ is. Hopefully we're getting the point today, right? But look at what else it says in later in Philippians 4, chapter 8. Finally, brothers, and Paul lists it out, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You want to change your mind? You want to change the way you think? And maybe you're struggling with with setting your, your mind and setting your thought world. How do we do this? Paul says here, start with this. Take an inventory. The things that you know that are true. God's word. The things that are noble. What he calls us to do. Our position in him. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely and admirable. If it's excellent or praiseworthy, if it comes from God... Think about those things. We all need to change our thinking, don't we? We all need to focus our mind on him, no matter what it is. Maybe there's a sin in your life, a particular sin that you struggle with all the time. It's the one sin you just, you can't get it under control. You've been praying, praying, and you're just asking the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to convict you, and you just can't seem to get over that one sin. It keeps getting at you. It keeps knocking you down. Paul says, just try do this, think on things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Where do we find those things? We open the Word of God. We open the Word of God and we read them. On every page of the Word of God, it's going to tell us something that is pure or good or true, where we should set our minds. It's about changing our thoughts. And then finally, look at what he says. In the last verses of our passage today. First he said, set your hearts, set your minds, things above. He says, why? Again, for you have died. He's basically like three reasons why we should be looking at the things that are above, not the things on this earth. He says, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And I'm ending with this. What he's saying is like, look at your past, look at your present, look at your future. In the past, you've died with Christ. That's what happened. Your position is new. You died with him because you have believed in him for salvation. So you're new. So you, you died. To be born again, you have to die. Do you get it? You die first. This is all spiritual. You die, you are born again. So he said, you have died, so your position is new. That's what happened in the past. Now, currently, the present, your life is hidden with Christ and God. You are safe and secure in the arms of Jesus. 
But let us make sure we spend time in his arms instead of being the Martha, busy about all that stuff. Be like Mary. Spend time with him because we are, our life is hidden with Christ and God. You know, when we die, right, our bodies are buried. They're hidden away from sight. He is making that distinction. Your life is now hidden with Christ and God because you died spiritually, you're made new, and now you are clothed in the glory of God. See that? You are hidden with Christ and God. You are safe and secure. Nothing can separate you from him. So that was our past. This is our present. We are in him. And then he says, when Christ, and look at these words, church. Don't miss it. Who is your life? When he appears, so now we're talking future, then you will also appear with him in glory. So there's that hope, that great hope. What's so different about us as Christians? We have hope. But our hope is not here in this world. Our hope is on the things above. It's because of Christ. Amen? So that's our hope. Our past, we have died with him. Present, we are in him. He is our life. The last thing I can say about this. When you become a believer in Jesus, and listen, church, this is important. We don't just add Jesus to our life. It's not like you just add a little salt to your french fries. You don't just add a little Jesus to your life, say, oh, now I'm a Christian, so here's who I am, and I got a little bit of Jesus here. No. Paul says Christ is your life. He's not a part of your life. He is your life. There couldn't be a greater distinction between the two. Are you with me? He is our life. We only have new life in Christ. We are, in God, we are only born again because of Christ. So let's not keep playing at being a Christian. We don't just add Jesus here and there when we feel like we need him. Our life in Christ as believers in him is truly just that. He is our life. We live and breathe because of him. And the future hope is that one day he will appear and you also will appear with him in glory. That's the day. The day we get to see him face to face. The day we get our brand new bodies. We all look forward to that. So in a few minutes, we're going we're gonna to take communion afterwards, eat up and drink. It doesn't matter what you eat and drink. No, I'm just joking. One day, one day, we'll have those new bodies we all long for. Our past, we've been buried with Christ. We have died. But we're made new, so now we're hidden in him. We are his, and he is ours. He is our life. He's not part of it. He is our life. And in the future, he will come back for us. Until then, we are in this world, but as we say, we're not of it. Paul says elsewhere, they think unearthly things, but we're thinking heavenly things because our true citizenship is in heaven. You can fly around the world these days and you can visit other countries. You can even live there. But until you renounce your American citizenship, you are a citizen of this country. You see, the moment you become a believer, your citizenship is truly in heaven. So we're visiting, right? The more that we become friendly with this world, as we say, the more of the world we invite into our lives, the more likely we look like the world, we lose our pilgrim status. We are pilgrims on a journey. We are here for a short time. We want to set our mind on things above. Why? Because these are the things that are eternal. 
I'll leave you with these four thoughts. When we live in light of who we are in Christ, and we set our minds and hearts on things above, it will keep us from loving the world too much. Things that will ultimately let us down. When we live in light of who we are in Christ, and we set our minds and, and hearts on things above, we will be guarded against despair and depression and anxiety. Will those things happen? Yes. But we will be guarded in them. And, and when the pressures of life are so hard to bear, we keep our eyes and our minds, our hearts on things above. The Lord Jesus gives us that new perspective. When we live in light of who we are in Christ and set our minds and hearts on things above, we can stand strong in our spiritual convictions and beliefs. We will have strength when the world opposes us and all that we believe in when we set our hearts and minds on things above. When we live in light of who we are in Christ, we set our minds and our hearts on things above. He can help us to say no to sin and it will motivate us in our struggle and our fight against those sins that seem to always creep, creep in. Finally, when we live in light of who we are in Christ and set our minds and hearts on things above, we are more likely to share our story and what God has done for us and to share his story, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ we will be more ready and more willing to tell others of the hope that we have in him and of their need for him. In a moment, we're going to transition into our, our time of what we call communion, the Lord's table. One last story from Scripture just to set our minds on. Do you remember when Jesus went about calling his first disciples and what he said to the first few? They were fishermen, right? They accessed what they did for a living. It was important. It was good work. But they were out fishing and Jesus came along. And what did he say? Come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Talk about changing your perspective. Jesus wasn't saying that making a living fishing was bad. He just said, now you're following me, so your perspective's going to change when we follow Jesus, we're not walking this way or this way. We are walking and following in his footsteps. Isn't that what it means to follow? To follow him. And Jesus said, come follow me. You'll still be fishermen. But now you're going to be spiritually minded. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You know what? No matter where we work, where we go to school, the things we do day in and day out, first and foremost, you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're an accountant. Maybe you're a business manager. You're not a business manager or an accountant or a sales rep who happens to be a Christian. You are a Christian who is an accountant or a sales manager or a business manager or a sales rep. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like you are a Christian first and foremost, and so those are areas of ministry and opportunities to share the good news of Jesus and to just simply be a witness by the way that you conduct yourselves you are a believer and follower in Jesus Christ first and foremost because that's our new position. So all that we say and do gets filtered through that, our new lens, because our position is new, our perspective is new. How do you look at your life and your identity? Are you his? Have you just added a little Jesus to your life? Or is he, as Paul says, your very life? We're going to um, remember now together 
what Christ had to do to make all this possible. See, this is the season where we remember the birth of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't gotten one, you can go ahead and and get one. And this is that season, we call it the Christmas season, right? And it's that season where we celebrate, and all things festive, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Because God had promised from the time he from the time that, that Adam and Eve sinned, he promised one day they would be a redeemer one day. And he promised. Then he chose Abraham, and through Abraham, his son Isaac, then Jacob. And he chose to bring Jesus through that line. Because he promised that there would one day, one day be a redeemer. So God had to make good on his promise. So a little over 2,000 years ago, God did just that. And a baby was born in the manger. And the shepherds announced his birth. And the wise men went to seek him. And some people were even threatened by his birth because they knew. But Jesus was born. He was born to die. It's God in the flesh. It's Emmanuel, God with us. He was born to give his life. For us, And that's what we remember now. For on the night before he was betrayed, Jesus did a couple of things. He, he took some bread and then he took a cup and he prayed over them and said, this is my body and this is, represents my blood and you are to do this as often as you get together in remembrance of me, remembering what he has done for us. And simply this, church, why would Jesus tell us to remember if he knows that we so often forget. So let us remember now together what he has done for us. So as you hear the music play, take a minute or two to just reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. What did it cost him? A free gift for us, but it cost him his very life. Think about Jesus in your life. These days, are you more like Martha? desiring to be more like Mary. Let's take a few minutes to just think and pray to set our mind on things above where Christ is.
Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said these words, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together in remembrance of the Lord Jesus. In the same way, after their supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you eat and drink. Because as often as you eat and drink, do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let us drink together, proclaiming his death until he returns. Stand together. Yes, Jesus, you love us. The Bible, your word, it tells us so. We couldn't be more grateful. Lord, we are thankful in our heart of hearts. We are thankful in ways that words cannot express for the new life that we have in you. Father, Help us to remember that truth this morning that you are, you are our life. That since we have been raised with Christ, help us, God, through your spirit, help us, Lord, especially when we are weak, help us to set our minds on things above where Christ is and not on things of this earth. Thank you, Father, that this earth is not our permanent home. We look forward to that day that you come back for us. And God, until then, we will eat the bread and drink the cup in remembrance so we never forget. And we do it until you return. And Lord Jesus, until then, give us the strength that we need each and every day. We ask, Lord, for your mercy and for your grace, for that strength and that courage to set our minds on things above. Lord God, help us. Help us to do, Lord, to to do the good things, but never the expense of the greatest thing, and that is spending time with you. Father, we love you and we thank you, and now as we continue our time together, bless our meal, bless our, our fellowship. May we continue to encourage each other, and Lord, that we would help each other to set each other's minds on things above. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We look forward to all the amazing things that you will continue to do in and through us. But to you, Father, be all the glory. And we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said together, amen. 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 Let's go in peace and enjoy.
Redemption